G'day punters, welcome to another episode of The Mailbag on The Mailbag Network. Thank you to punningform.com.au, they are our database, they should be yours too. They let you record and input all your own thoughts and overlay it versus their data, their sectional data, everything you need, all on punningform. Betfair.com.au and Goat Lager. Go and try and buy some, you can't, it's sold out at the moment, that's how good it is. Two weeks time, goats are back, get on board. They fucking are sold out to Joe. Really? Oh, dear. Unbelievable. This summer, four guys who enjoy looking at horses and punting on horses band together to give you mail on horses. Live from their kitchens around Australia... Drew Patchell. We're not like you. We're grown ups, motherfucker. Say hi to your dad. We went to high school together. Pete Anthonis. Jukebox. I'm going to put $7 with a hooba stank in it. Rob Scurry. Does anyone know what this here is used for? Growing a fatty. No, not, not for. Where'd you learn that? And Jack Dickens. Oh, uh, we got a family that loves me. Loves the fuck out of me. <laughs> like they, like, they really like me a lot. This is The Mailbag. G'day punters, welcome to um, the Mailbag Review Podcast with myself, Jack Dickens and Crystal Pete Anthonis. How are you Pete? I am pretty good. It's been a festival of racing. I did three days straight and I'm pretty keen to get over this week and then uh, hopefully have a freshen up next week. So we're going we're gonna to nail the good races or the interesting races from Caulfield. We're going to keep this podcast nice and short. That's the feedback we've got and that's the way we want to do them. So... If you want them longer, let us know, but at the moment, we're going to keep them pretty short. Um, we'll quickly look at one or two races from Ascot, and we might look, or we won't be looking at anything from Sydney, as our man, um, Rob Scurry, who is delivering the amount of mail from a 12 race <laughs> Tokyo card. And I don't know if he's going to come back, to be honest. He's pretty uh, airborne over there. He's maintained his run, and he's just winning on and off the track. But we'll kick off at Caulfield, where... Race one saw one of the most tactically inept sort of starts to a race day I've seen for a fair while. Now, Craig Williams, who we've seen him walking tracks, we've seen him doing like visualising, he's sort of like, um, you know, four, four rolls forward, then he does a little whip, and he does it again as he's walking the tracks. Now, the fence was off on Saturday at Caulfield. The rail was no good. Now, Craig jumped from a wide barrier there on my biddy, used it up, got across to the rail, heavy on the rail, could have been... OSL, found the rail, really pulled back the handbrake and snicked the shit out of it. Um, Kayla Kriatha sort of uh, signaled her the day she is going to have with an inept ride on uh, our Boston over. Just, again, lacked intent, didn't use the horse and let Grey Shadow walk across under it. Under it. No urgings from John Allen that it weren't out of the normal for me. Um, but it led, controlled the race, and kicked away. Now, there were no change of tactics from the stable, re Grey Shadow, which I thought was disappointing on a number of levels. I think it's disappointing because the horse, while settled really positive first up, last prep, the majority of its life, the dominant majority of its life, it's midfield or worse. So it's fair to assume this horse is going to be last or first, and if it's going to be first, they'd tell you because of this stupid rule. Pete, what do you reckon about this rule? 
I've been on this for, for ages now. Just get rid of the rule and then try and make it up yourself. Uh, you know, what is the market saying late? You know, you've got to use the, the intel there. Um, what are the other jocks more than likely going to do in the situation? Um, but look, I mean, there wasn't necessarily a great deal of money for it, was there? It was a little bit of money early and then it slowly drifted back out. Late in betting was just solid more than anything. But the, the money suggested that the horse is probably going to be ridden uh, for cover. To expectation, yeah. I mean, and look, in the end, they've gone on the punting form data, they've gone basically benchmark around to the 600. But I mean, Bray Shadow's led the 79. Apart, apart, from, the, apart from the two races that are, they were 2,000 meters, this is the fastest race to the 600 or as fast as any other race almost on the card. So, Graceful Storm Race, they've gone 5.9. The Morrissey Race, they've gone 4.9 fast. In the Race 1, Great Shadow Race, they've gone 4.5. That is quick. Yeah. Yeah. So just to say there's no pace in the race is just it, it makes the game the stewards just look a little silly, I think. Well, that's the thing. I don't know how much uh, how much time do they spend going through the data themselves after the race? It's always hard to know, isn't it? But uh, no, I assume not. Yeah, not that long off what they've said about the ride. I do think that all this does is you if you're not already you need to have a Betfair account because if you Waged into the race. If you got the mounting yard mail, I didn't think, and I said it in the text, I think, that it wouldn't be suited Grey Shadow the way the track was. I thought it would be on pace, and I thought it would be ridden cold. But if you're on Betfair, you can bet in run, so you can get out of all your bets, or you can get on the Grey Shadow and, and neutralise your position. And it's just crucial to protect your bank and survive, because I bet into this race thinking it was going to set up one way, and I was completely wrong, but I was able to sort of nullify it slightly with Betfair. Anything else race one, Pete? Nah, that's all good. Push on. Race two, well, the tripod, Emmy Walker. His lack of intent here on, um, what was the horse called? Quest for Venus. Birth of Venus. Birth of Venus. Wowie, wowie, wowie. They've gone super quick, so there was absolutely no need to slow your horse when you're running last. It should have just been rolled along. They've given it the sort of mid to, mid-race slowdown or sort of like... Yeah, probably mid-race slowdown where they started to slow those sectionals down from, say, the 1,200 to the 6 to the 4. Oliver has just read this like a, like the great man that he is on the favourite, which was two lengths in front of you, Michael, on our horse, Bertha Venus, which we backed on the movers and from the yard. I would have hoped he found its back. Watching the replay, maybe I'm being a little bit critical, but I'm talking through my kick, as you'd hope I am. You know, We're, we're betting, and that's our, our sort of starting point of an argument. I wish I expected him to be a little bit closer to the favourite, which was in the perfect spot with the way the race was run. It was good tempo early, and they backed it off. Kayla Crowther then tried to nudge aggressively, nudge Mickey Walker the tripod out, and really slowed us down. And then she's then she's trying to take a gap that wasn't there and almost killed herself. Um, fortunately, Kayla was sweet, pulled up fine, inside the horse. Um, Geez, it was pretty scary on track. It did not look good for a point there. Um, I'm very disappointed in the whole race. It's uh, Outstanding ride from Damien Oliver, like just peak Ollie, perfection versus the clock. And at the same time, given all that in mind and everything that you've said regarding Bertha Venus and how it wasn't suited at all, it's still run the 12th fastest last 200 on the card 
and that's despite the fact that they were going, you know, over 12, 13 lengths fast to the 600. It's just yeah, look, uh, it's they, a they huge loss. And, and, and the, the, the most fascinating thing about this, or maybe it was a, a, a gain which we didn't work for us in the race one, but race two, this horse was $7 out to $15. We still backed it from the yard. I love the way it paraded. But that was a pretty clear sign there's going to be zero intent here from the tripod. Sevens out of fifteens. Huge drift. Anything else there, Pete? Money talks and bullshit walks. <laughs> Talking about hill, hillside. That was good. All right, race number four. We're going to skip race three. Race four. I thought Kayla got taught. She got bullied here on Music Bay. She got pushed into the inferior rail um, by Lockie King, I think it was, on um, can't remember the horse, but he pushed her in. She found the death seat, awful spot to be. Rails in run on Saturday at Caulfield. You did not want to be there, and she found that spot. She lost momentum, critical stage, and the horse, I thought, it was pretty good still. Um, I wouldn't sack Music Bay, and I'd get real keen if she got uh, replaced with a different rider. Uh, I thought Mick D's ride on Tysonic was really, really disappointing. It was a day where you needed to be on pace and you needed to be prominent, and from that draw, the way the race set up, he could have landed three pairs back one off ideal spot instead he was too far back the horse just sort of had a barrier trial we backed tysonic and i probably will again next start provided it's drawn inside what they do versus the clock here pete uh they've basically for the class they've gone benchmark they've gone one length fast to the 600 or so just under one length fast to the 600 um the overall figures though uh they've gone four lengths fast to the 600 so it's good race good time I think it'll be a good race to follow this run. I mean, there's a lot of deep diving to do from this meeting with where you think was suited or not suited, etc. But I think there's going to be a fair few winners for the next sort of season here in Victoria. And the winner was just given another gift by Damien Oliver, who was just riding an outstanding, outstanding order pretty much recently. Just two like rides in a row, or no, race two, then race four, of just perfection momentum-wise. So the clock, the clock indicates momentum to me. While others are slowing, he was just building beautifully like he did yesterday on Savaheat and the last there at Sandown. Outstanding ride, D. Oliver. Race number five, Willow. You, oh, Craig. <laughs> Craig. What the f*** did he do here on Poister Strike? Should it have won, Pete? Uh, look, I don't want to say it would because obviously a lot can happen in racing, but uh, my expletives off there would probably suggest I would have thought so. So they've gone 4.9 fast to the to the four to the 600. They've come home 1.9 fast. The winner has done 3.7, then 3.1 fast. Overall figure 6.8. That's a solid run race. Morrissey did it eight wide, or was it four wide, or was it 12 wide? It didn't matter. It, the inside ground was inferior to a point, so there's not as cast as you'd think. But this was a severe effort, and the thing did it sweating like profusely like he looked like a a man severely hung over being forced to exercise the next day it wasn't a pretty sight and somehow the horse got it done anything else to add there that, that race any horses you want to follow or just sticking with poster strike uh look i thought the run of mumbles was pretty good coming from the bush and a bit of odds and it was i think it was ridden pretty well though uh i'm not sure you could uh give it too many other excuses other than that well, I thought that um, uh, Mitchy Freeman's horse, Battle Master, was really good. I thought Harry Coffey did Harry Coffey things to it, and it could have been probably three or four lengths closer in the run. Um, I think that it and Mumbles 
but more so battle master can be followed into this sort of grade or even a drop below. I think D Bates gave Mumbles a perfect ride, so it's probably got less scope to improve. But battle master certainly got some scope, I thought. Race number six. Well, uh, I don't want to sound arrogant here. I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I was so confused by the market here. The fence was off. The market either hadn't realised it, but I'm sure they would have. They were so firm on Tofane, who paraded like a really good horse. It is a beast, and it's a horse to follow. However, it was drawn one in a hectic race, like a really, really hectic race. Um, we launched. We've, we've launched at um, Poised to Strike, very, very stiff. We've then launched here at Thrillstar and got done by a horse that's SP'd. I'm guessing – I'm going to look it up right now on – Betfair.com.au. I'll beat you to it. $128.25. Ah, uh, yuck. That is fucking repulsive. <laughs> anyway, we've we've backed Thrillstar Heavy, drawn outside. But apparently the stable told the young jockey, the apprentice, to land midfield and get cover from 18 and let it go at the 600. You've just got to seriously scratch your head sometimes at what these young men are told to do, young men and women. Um, Thrill Star, outstanding order, can be followed, will be winning good races. Um, Tofane, outstanding tight, will be winning races, follow, follow, follow. What I opened with my commentary before was I couldn't understand how the horse was so firm coming out of a lower-grade race. Obviously has ability, but the the map was just awful. And then D Dunn just... What a ride to just follow Thrill Stars. Outstanding riding from D Dunn, who backed it up in the next race. is one of the worst rides of all time. Anything else to add here, Peter? No, no. Push on. <laughs> Push on. Okay, race number seven, racing. What a sport it is. D Dunn gave a $100 shot, the perfect ride of the re- previous race. He's dead set slaughtered this thing, I reckon. $2.70, Manalo Blonick. It's recorded the fastest last 600, 400, and 200 of the meeting, punningform.com.au. Outstanding close from Manalo Blonick, but it just couldn't catch Streets of Avalon, who was ridden really well by C. Douglas, was it? Uh, it was C. Douglas. Outstanding ride in town. He stepped up. Kayla went the other way. Clayton's starting to really announce himself as a city grade rider. I don't know why. You, I want your opinion here, Pete. Why did Dwayne let uh, Kimono in? Uh, oh, and I didn't bet here. So this is the the thrill star sort of opinion, the, the poison strike opinion, probably a little bit biased. You can tell us, guys, get in touch on Twitter. But I didn't bet here. I wanted. I thought Manalo was a moral. I was unsure from the parade, and I thought Stress Avalon paraded as good as I'd ever seen it, probably better. So I, I decided to sit out. But I, watching the replay, surely Manalo Blonick should have kicked up and held out Kimono. That's how I saw it. You, Pete? Uh, look, I'm always of the opinion that if in doubt you ride to get your horse in a better position and disadvantage someone else, uh, too much obsession with cover, maybe it was a tactic, don't know. And then we kick on a race eight where, oh, didn't it just deliver the great game, the great game. D done perfection on Haunted. Uh, he just just sat back, smoked the pipe, choppy, tried to cheap, Try to pinch a little cheap section on the other side of eight to the six, which just saw Haunter just roll into it. They've gone three lengths faster than 600, which is very slow for a horse like Dollar for Dollar. Haunted, the winner, went just faster than Benchmark to the 600. 
and came home eighth lengths faster. Serious close. The only horse that closed faster in the meeting was Trace of Avalon, um, and it it did that off a really slow tempo, a walk. This is a serious performance from Haunted. I thought it paraded with stacks of improvement to come. This horse will be well worth following moving forward. Anything else to add, Peter? Not from Caulfield. All right, punters, that's Caulfield. Hope you got something out of it. Any questions, get in touch on Twitter. Let's move over now to Ascot, where we're going to kick on to race six and Valorode one. They went 10 lengths faster than six and came home 2.9 faster, no, slow to record an overall figure of 7.1 lengths above benchmark. What happened, Pete, and why? Yeah, look, Valor Road was actually a little bit slow away. There was almost an anticipation that he'd try and leave this event, but I guess given the fact that they've gone as fast as they have early, you can understand why he didn't lead in the end. But uh, look, Mervyn's a, a pretty handy Kalgoorlie horse that came across, ran at speed. Valor Road ended up one out, one back. It was a perfect ride from Chloe as a party, but it's returned with an overall personal best. It was just a huge figure on returning. The horse itself ran... Uh, a good race in the winter bottom. The group one where it was 2.8 lengths behind Voodoo Lad and uh, it will be taking off and taking a trip east over to Adelaide, I believe is the plan, all things being well. But uh, look, it was just, uh, it's returned in really, really promising order for a stable that does have a good history of travelling horses over east. Um, obviously, you would have seen a few of them over the, the past period of time. Uh, horses like First Among Equals, um, used to be under the care. Also, uh, that's the other the other nice horse, Whispering Brook as well. Both, okay. Yep. They they both were with Simon Miller first, and then went over to join uh, join Stables over East. So I think they're going to be travelling it to South Australia first. It may end up your way a little bit later on. Okay. And is my Demi one we can follow? Fastest last six hundred of the day. There. You have to watch the replay of my Demi to actually get a feel for what was going on. But it was last and cast with basically, what, 300 metres to go in the race and has just basically willed itself to the line and hooned late. So it is a horse that can be followed. That is absolutely for sure. All right, perfect. So my Demi and Road there from Ascot. We've got one viewer question, Pete, which we'll kick through. We've picked out one. It comes from Cozzy. He's asked me to ask this question for about five weeks and I keep forgetting. So, Cos, here it is. Peter, dicko. Please provide some advice, tools, or strategies. Over the last few weeks, I have been to a number of parties and functions between 2 and 8 p.m. on Saturdays. How can I politely, discreetly slide away from the conversation when someone tells me they just lost their job, whether old man is crook, blah, 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 so I can watch a race that I have launched at and avoid looking like a rude, degenerate mug? Cannot keep saying I'm going to the dunny. Well, if you keep saying you're going to the dunny, I'll start with this, Cosy. If you're at a function in a suit and you keep saying you're going to the dunny, they're going to think you've got a problem with cocaine. <laughs> Let's just start that from the, off the bat. You don't want to say you're going to the dunny because if you're going to be found out as a degenerate punter, that's better than being found out as a degenerate cocaine abuser. So, Pete, what are you thinking off the bat here for Cos? Look, if you can perfect the art of picture-in-picture picture on the phone using one of the various apps, you could possibly be a bit more discreet. You know, you can almost have up the email or something like that or messaging the missus whatever it is on the top hold the two-thirds of the screen then just have like a very small picture and picture of the racing going on in the corner that is one one option you have the other options is you have to get creative with utilizing other utensils that might be at the party so whether or not that's food trays uh, drinks smooching around with one of the waitress staff or 
maybe even calm down, the, Peter. Calm the, down, Peter. We're not all <laughs> we're not all players, my man. It doesn't matter what or how you have to. You just need to make sure that you've got different options available to make you appear like you're still sociable and not just the crazed gambling robot that you clearly are, Cosy. Okay, Cos, here's what's in my head. Firstly, you could legitimise what you're doing, like I've tried to do, and say, I'm at work, babe, I'm working. Please show me some respect. I would to you in your workplace. Now, secondly, that's not always going to work when you're a big function or wedding, etc. so you need to make some decisions. You need to set yourself for certain races and just set alarms. That's what I do. Thirdly, if you get in touch with betfair.com.au, they've got these new devices which stick to the back of your phone and it rolls out this thing. I'm doing it right now and you can put it on a table so you could be having a piss and tilt this thing up and it sort of angles it up so you can watch it like a little mini TV. Perfect. You could also, if you've got, which I think you might have caused a bit of a problem with powder, you can go in there and just double, just do both at once. I don't know. You do you. I am looking forward to punters.com.au or some such doing a little video of us, ScoMo, doing his hill song. You know, his singer's got the hand in the air? Yeah. Have his phone on there? You know, they could put a phone in there. That's got race eight. No, he's just backed, uh, yeah, he's backed Pike in the last. Well, it's always, it's always your, it's your, the, you're the sort of like uh, the problem here, because we we can sort of get away with it during the day till about five thirty p.m. But then we get the grouse from you late, and we're at dinner or something. We're back in horses at race seven at Ascot, and the sun's still up over there. Anyway, anything else we should talk about, Peter, or is that enough? I think that's probably enough for now. We'll be back later in the week with a few other preview podcasts and other such information and entertainment from yours we'll truly. Be- We'll be back for a Anzac Day preview podcast from Flemington, and then we'll be back for the, I think it's, are they calling it the showdown at Caulfield on Saturday, or the, the that's not, it wouldn't be the showdown, that's the AFL game. Um, whatever they're calling it, we'll be back, we'll preview Caulfield, probably on YouTube as well. Bye for now. going to Hillsong, we're going to Hillside.